Stafford for Seville 1075 and 1260 WCHB. Welcome to Everyday Faith Radio. This is Jeff Gaffney, your host for the next 30 minutes as we have a conversation about faith and how to integrate our faith into all the areas of our lives. On this program, we like to share testimonies and faith journeys intended to encourage you if you're already a believer and challenge you a little bit if you're still checking out faith because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing from the Word of God. So that's what we do on this program We share the word, and we pray that God will open up your hearts to receive it today. I'd like to start the program with a scripture reading. Uh, This week I've been in the Gospel of John. This comes from one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. It's John 15. My Bible friends will know this as the chapter that's about the vine. So these are words from Jesus, and I'm going to start... John 15, and I'm going to read verses 5 through 8, and this is being read in the Passion Translation. It goes like this. I am the sprouting vine, and you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. Again, that's John chapter 15. Verses 5 through 8, I invite you to go back and visit that entire chapter. It's amazing. Thanks again for checking in with us today on Everyday Faith Radio. want to remind you that we have all of our podcasts loaded on iTunes. We also have a website. It's everydayfaithradio.com. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with today's guest. Please stay with us. Here's what's happening in Central Virginia. The Charlottesville Cardinals wheelchair basketball team is hosting a charity game at Charlottesville High School on September 20th at 7 p.m. to raise money for the construction of Bennett's Village, an all-inclusive playground. The game will feature local celebrities and athletes, a raffle, and lots of fun. Tickets are sold at the door. The White Pig Animal Sanctuary will be opening its doors to the public on September 21st from 12 to 8 p.m. The family-friendly event will include touring the sanctuary, up-close interaction with the animals, and a bonfire to up the night. For more information, visit thewhitepig.org. The Standardsville United Methodist Church has scheduled its fifth annual All Things Fall Festival for Saturday, September 21st from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Highlights include the annual soup, chili, and bread cook-off, fall crafts, and pumpkin painting. If your charity or nonprofit has an event, email your information at least four weeks in advance to PSA at MonticelloMedia.com. For more events, visit our website, WCHV.com. And then you're Welcome back to Everyday Faith Radio. This is Jeff Gaffney, your host. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today on the program. 
We have as our visitor today, Dick Prince. Dick uh, is my, I'd say, relatively new friend. He and I attend a men's group in town that's called Faith and Leadership in Charlottesville. And I got an opportunity to hear Dick's faith journey, and I was just blown away by it for a couple of reasons. Um, It's an incredible faith story, and I can't wait for you all to hear this. But I was also struck by how you could sit next to somebody and not really know how powerfully God is working in their lives. And, and, and that it ends up sort of being the mission statement for this show, if you will, as we like to take somebody's faith journey, share it on the air, hope that it encourages you, hope that it challenges you if you are uh, not yet a person of faith. But Dick, thank you so much for coming on the program. And um, we'd like to start the show with a little bit about your faith journey. So if you don't mind, just maybe dive in wherever you want on that. Okay, thank you, Jeff. This is truly a blessing to uh, be able to share this because it's not really just my story. It's God's story in my life, which is a revelation to me every single day. Um, I was born into a family. My father was uh, an artist uh, and he was a starving artist. Uh, So we didn't have much money. Uh, We were growing up as a, a just, a, I guess, a normal family. I didn't realize we didn't have money until much later in life. But, um, you know, my family brought us up to know that God existed. So I did have that as kind of a foundational. But really the focus for both my mom and my dad was to um, make sure that we had the finest education and that we were going to be successful in life. And that's a great foundation. Mm-hmm but it's not all of the foundation that anybody really needs. Uh, My parents sacrificed just monumentally so that we could have the best of everything. You know, they would forego lots of things. We lived in a house that had a hole in the roof. Uh, There was just a lot of things. I mean, if I went back and looked at that house today, it would just blow me away. But they forego all those things uh, so that we could have the best of everything. And my father, as an artist, would always paint people who had money and um, he would always tell people about, you know, his dreams and aspirations. And uh, some of these folks helped me along the way in different uh, different places. And I believe that God had, you know, kind of set this whole thing in motion. Uh, my identity was established early in life really as an athlete because I was a pretty good athlete. I played, you know, four sports and eventually uh, was really good in football, baseball, and hockey. Um, and so my identity was in that, and that's what success meant to me. Um, so, you know, hockey became my primary sport. <clears throat> I didn't start playing hockey until I was, I never played indoors until I was nine years old. And um, I ended up playing against Canadians, and, you know, they, they're born with skates on. So I was always a little bit behind. But I played most of my hockey up in Boston, and I had a pretty good reputation. Um, I was a big guy back in those days. Um, you know, hockey players tended to be really small, but there was just a transition going on to big guys. And so um, I doors opened. So I went to the best schools because of hockey. Went to prep school up in uh, Framingham or just outside of Framingham, Massachusetts, and then got recruited and played hockey in Division One for Colgate University. Um, and I was a really good high school player. 
and scored a lot and felt like I was the best player, you know, around. Um, that wasn't true, but that's how I felt. Uh, I got to Colgate, and I was one of three Americans. Everybody else was Canadian. I learned really fast that I wasn't the best player in the, on the team. I was uh, struggling to uh, to make a dent. Um, and uh, I, I had a little bit of a cup of coffee, they would say, at, uh, at Division One, and played pretty well for two years. My second year, I got injured. Uh, and that injury uh, lasted most of the season. And we had a change of coaches. And the coach who recruited me left. And the coach who came in really didn't want to have anything to do with the players that got left behind from the other coach who, had, he had recruit, uh, the other coach who recruited. And so I lost a lot of my identity in that. And the, the, my third year, my junior year, um, you know, the coach showed no interest in any of us. And, um, you know, it just uh, kind of my, my career fizzled out and I lost direction. Who am I? I came to Colgate to play hockey. And now I was no longer a hockey player. So um, I got into drugs. I was doing a lot of drugs and drinking a lot every single day. My grades um, were impacted tremendously by that. And I took a year off from Colgate and kind of wandered about America and then around the world trying to find an identity. Uh, and um, I came back. My identity was I had to graduate. And so I put everything I could into graduating. And I did graduate and ended up with my first job in Washington, D.C. as a writer. And uh, But I still you know, didn't really have an identity. Uh, I was still drinking a lot. I was still trying to fill that void in my life. Uh, and um, I just remember on July 4th, I think it was 1981, um, I got so drunk with my, with my, at my family's 4th of July party and uh, just could not communicate. And my family was ter- terrified of what, what this was leading to because I, they got a glimpse into my life. Um, and my father had painted a lady who gave a lot of money to Oral Roberts University. And uh, so he called her, and she called Oral and said, what can you do for my son? This is July, mind you. Uh, and I'd always wanted to be a lawyer. I didn't really know why. And so she, uh, my father's patron, uh, called Oral and said, can you get him into the law school? And of course, it's Oral Roberts University. Mm-hmm. He said yes, mm-hmm. um, but then the dean of the law school called Oral and said we're we're you know going through uh, a time when we're being looked at and accredited, and we just can't accept somebody who has really no background, good education at Colgate, but no background to I hadn't taken the LSATs, and so then um, it was. Uh, Business, And so I ended up going to the business school. I went there just knowing that God existed. But when I got there, there was uh, a seminar that all put on, and it was the kind of thing that, um, you know, I thought it was just for all new students. But it was a call for Christ in your life. And so during he made a beautiful presentation, and he said, if God has touched your heart, raise your hand. Well, I didn't know anybody in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was mm-hmm. from the Northeast. So I raised my hand and then Oral said, well, if you raise your hand, stand up. 
I stood up. Uh, and uh, then he said, if you stood up, come on down. And so I spent two and a half hours talking with somebody who led me to Christ. I realized that I needed God as a Savior in my mm-hmm. life. Uh, the short story is I graduated from business school. Uh, I got a great job. And in the course of that job, I spent uh, 26 years in investment banking. And I spent a lot of time working. And so it's like I would clock in. I was saved. But I would clock in, you know, to do my work, you know, pretty much six days a week. And then on Sunday, I'd clock into Christ. Mm. And then I'd clock out. And that's not the best way to live a Christian life. And so, um, but I was saved. And my, my, the way that I looked at things was very, very different. But I didn't have a relationship with Christ. Um, I got involved with a ministry called Advancing Native Ministries, ended up moving to Charlottesville. Uh, got a just a, an incredible opportunity to meet people who were really dependent on Christ all around the world, and um, these. Uh, I came home one day. I was traveling a lot. You know, my family was not in great shape. My marriage was not in great shape because I was traveling all over the world. I came home one day, and there was a missionary from India sitting in the uh, in my uh, living room, and I sat down, and he started telling me about how he was dependent on Christ. And that just set off all Mm. kinds of things. And from that point forward, you know, I began to look at Christ differently, not as a savior, but as a friend and in a relationship with Christ. And uh, that just changed my life completely. And uh, the beautiful thing about it is that God was in control. Uh, About three years after that, I was trying to get out of this job because it was like golden handcuffs. Mm. I couldn't stop working because they were paying me too much. And then all of a sudden, it was um, out of nowhere, uh, a very big bank, RBC, Royal Bank of Canada, came and made an offer for our company. And um, they bought our company, and that just opened the door for me to step into uh, a life that God had called me to do. Not that he hadn't called me to be you know, an investment banker and a hockey player, but this is where God had wanted me to be all along. And so he had prepared me, and uh, the rest, as they say, is kind of history. Oh, that's a beautiful story, and I'm so glad that you were able to come on and share this. I have so many questions, but, Dick, we are bumping up against the break here. So what I'm going to actually do is pause for a moment. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and I have so many questions for you. Again, this is Everyday Faith Radio. Jeff Gaffney, your host. Dick Prince is our guest today, and he is sharing with us his entire faith journey from a college athlete to um, Oral Roberts University to the working world and now to heading up advancing Native missions here in Charlottesville. So we're going to take a quick break. I have so many questions. Please stay with us. Here's what's happening in Central Virginia. Come to the Woodbridge Farm Brewery in Lovingston on September 7th at 8 a.m. for the Down on the Farm 5K, benefiting the Virginia Foundation for Agriculture in the classroom. For more information and to sign up, email aitcfoundation at vafb.com. Mark your calendars for the Fuvana County Community Safety Day happening on September 7th at Pleasant Grove Park from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Expect safety vendors, emergency preparedness, bike, car, water, and fire safety, among others. This event is sponsored by Fuvana County Sheriff Fire and Rescue Agencies. 
The Crozet Volunteer Fire Department will host their third annual golf classic at Old Trail Golf Club on September 13th with a 12:30 shotgun start. To register, visit crozetfire.org. If your charity or nonprofit has an event, email your information at least four weeks in advance to PSA at MonticelloMedia.com. For more events, visit our website, WCHV.com. And then you're out of desperation. No, you're not the only one. Praying, Lord, above, I need a miracle. Welcome back to Everyday Faith Radio. This is Jeff Gaffney, your host, and with us on the program today, we have my friend Dick Prince is with us. He has an amazing faith journey that he shared with us on the first half of the program. I'm going to get right into some questions. Dick, if one of our listeners who's tuned in this morning is struggling with drugs and alcohol, and maybe that circumstance is relatable to you, and they haven't become a person of faith, they haven't been able to fill the void any other way than drugs and alcohol, what would you to say to somebody who's tuning in this morning and they want out? They want out because they know that the drugs and alcohol part, it may feel good for a moment, but ultimately it's empty. It's it not empty. the solution. Yeah. What would you say to somebody who's tuning in this morning struggling with drugs and alcohol? They want out. They want to try to become a person of faith. What, what say you, Dick Prince? Well, I'm not an expert, but I can give a testimony of my life because what happened with my life was um, it was it was a great rush, a great high, but it it descends into chaos and confusion very quickly. And so, you know, I was uh, I never really say this, but I was I was kind of an addict for a while, um, for years. And it led to a point where um, I was not in control. And I think that's where God wants us sometimes. Mm. Some people come to Christ, you know, when they're, when they're born. I don't understand that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I had to get beaten up in my life uh, to reach a point where I needed a Savior. Mm. And so if you need a Savior, uh, God is right there. You know, one of the beautiful things of my testimony is I didn't realize any of it until I was looking back on my life. And I've I've spent a lot of time over, you know, the last 20 or 30 years as a Christian looking back. And the darkest times in my life, God has shown up. But we have to be humble and we have to have our lives open to him. And so the only way somebody like me was going to be Uh, have the opportunity to have that relationship and accept Christ is that I had to reach the last straw and that's where I was on that July 4th I was at my last straw and God had me right where he wanted me I needed a savior Mm. and so it's just a question of saying God I'm here I trust you help me So maybe the message to that person who's tuning in this morning, who's stuck in a rut of drugs and alcohol or whatever addiction that they may be faced with, maybe part of that message is, hey, this could be really great news for you because you may be in a place of desperation, and that's where God works mightily when you're in that place of desperation. Well, I hope you don't reach a place of desperation like I did, but but God is faithful. Mm-hmm. And our part of, of that is really to just humble our hearts and say, God, I need you. God, I need a Savior. I can't do this anymore. I was raised to be successful, and my, uh, my vision of success was I'm going to make it happen. Mm. 
and you know for probably 25 years or 24 years of my life that's what I did I made it happen and when God came into my life I said God I can't make it happen I need you and you know that's I can tell you that from in one day no more drugs no more alcohol no more cigarettes it, it was just it was a transformation and so I know it's real so mm. if it's real for me again I'm not an expert but if it's real as a testimony in my life it can be real in the testimony of others Dick, and I'm sure it is last week um, we had on the pro- two weeks ago we had on the program Mabel Morris and we were um, we were talking about first Peter chapter 5 and the reason I'm bringing this up is because you you've said the word humble twice here in the last couple of minutes and in in um, that chapter, Peter writes that God opposes the proud, but multiplies grace and favor on the humble, and 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 it's so difficult because I I I can relate with the um, the athlete in you where you feel like your identity is in athletics and you're I can tell you've got a big frame and you must have been an incredible high school athlete and then you find yourself in division one and you can just kind of build your foundation kind of it, it, it's on it's on it's actually on the wrong foundation yes. it, it, it becomes where you think you're in control and and you are the captain of your own ship right you're gonna that's that's how we're bred oftentimes in america is that Mm -hmm. work hard outwork everybody make it to the top and then you find that um this proud lifestyle is not actually congruent with the kingdom of heaven it's it's the humble that's right and the humility although it's often hard to get to that place but it it sounds like god really worked that out with you he did you know i got saved and that meant that I just let my um, change the way that I looked at life, which is now I need a savior, mm. and Jesus was my savior, and it was real as waking up and seeing the sunrise. It was a real thing in my life, and it had a tremendous impact, obviously, in my life. But that wasn't the end. You know, the, the end really for me was becoming, uh, growing into relationship with Christ. And that's a humble walk. Yes. That is a really humble walk. So, you know, the time that I transitioned from drugs and alcohol, God stepped in. I needed a Savior. But it took another 25 years or 24 years for me to, you know, establish that relationship and that walk and dependence in humility on God. Because as everybody knows, investment bankers aren't the most humble people mm. in the world. <laughs> We're the experts and you're not. <laughs> I need to get to this. And, and, and Dick, we, I have so many more questions for you. But for some of our listeners don't know advancing native missions. And, and I want to sort of tie this thread from the high school athlete that ended up, Division One, ended up Drugs and alcohol ended up um, through friend of a family, Oral Roberts University, got lit up in faith. And anyway, I want to make this connection from where you were to what you're doing now. And I want our listeners to understand the impact that this guy had, who, when you were in high school, I, I know there's no possible way that you could have seen that at your age now in life that you'd be 
involved with advancing Native Mission. So could you just sort of break down? We only have a few minutes, but if you could just kind of give the Cliff Notes version about what advancing Native Missions does, and then I think our listeners will start to see the impact that you're having and, of course, your ministry is having. So uh, advancing Native Missions, it's interesting. You'd think, you know, Native Americans, and my wife ministers loves Native Americans, and so I was busy doing my investment banking stuff, and uh, she wanted to get plugged into Charlottesville, and she saw Advancing Native Missions, and she said, wow, I found what God has called me to do, and she went there and found out it wasn't Native Americans, but she got me involved in that. And so Advancing Native Missions really is an organization that connects the church here, those are believers and you know church organizations and other organizations with ministries that are indigenous or native to the places around the world that they are ministering to um, Jesus to people who never have had the opportunity to know Jesus. There are places in this world, and it's about one-third of our planet, uh, about 1.8 billion people, who have no way to know about Jesus. None whatsoever. They don't know a Christian. They don't know a they don't the, the people they know don't know Christians and in most places Christianity is either outlawed or it's just so taboo that it's unavailable to anybody there there are no bibles often no bibles in their languages and so advancing native missions seeks out ministries that are very intentional in terms of reaching people who have never had the opportunity to hear about Jesus here in America, everybody has Bibles if you're a Christian. There's churches on every block. Everybody, if they don't know a Christian, they know somebody who knows a Christian. But in most places, many places, especially in the developing world, they don't. And so um, I got to know missionaries who were um, leading organizations um, in some of these countries. And every, every single day is an is a opportunity, almost a necessity for them to be dependent on God. Mm-hmm. And that's an amazing thing to see. Here in America, you don't really have to be dependent on God because you can watch TV, you can go across the street, you can do whatever you want to do, you can get involved in many, many things. Uh, but you know, overseas, it's just it's a different different world. In many places, you know, just finding your next meal is a is an act of faith. Mm. And so, just getting to know these folks, um, it you know, seeing their relationship with God brought me deeper into relationship with God where, you know, I saw a dependency that was where I had to really step aside. This arrogant investment banker had to step aside and become uh, a humble person. And God opened the door uh, because I was raised, you know, investment banking is kind of managing portfolios of assets and managing risk. And so if you're dealing in countries across Africa, across Asia, Indonesia, um, there's a lot of risk that's involved in that. And um, we, Advancing Native Missions is um, partners with 263 ministry organizations in 83 countries around the world. And that is a process of managing risk because a thousand things can go wrong and only a couple things can go right when you're dealing you know on islands in indonesia or in china or in vietnam or in cambodia Um, and so um, 
God called me t- into relationship with the leadership at uh, Advancing Native Missions. And um, all of a sudden, again, looking back in hindsight, I had a lot of skills to bring to the table from investment banking into ministry. And, you know, they thought I was kind of odd <laughs> that how can this – We this didn't make any sense to them. The Advancing Aid Admissions has about 70 people, and about 20 of them are pastors or former pastors. And so here comes an investment banker. <laughs> and, and so we put a lot of structure and, you know, risk management because, you know, the, the simple truth is that, you know, if you want to partner with a ministry – let's say, in Nigeria, um, you know, you're not going to probably know much about what's going on in Nigeria. And so you have two choices. You know, you can either respond to that email that comes from that Nigerian pastor, or you can come to A&M, Advancing Native Missions, and say, hey, I want to find a ministry in Nigeria. Can you recommend one? And, you know, our job is to manage the risk and to know people. So we, for 27 years now, we have a lot of relationships all over the world that are the strength and the foundation of the relationships that we have. Dick Prince, amazing faith journey. You know, Ravi Zacharias, uh, you know him, I've met him, has had a tremendous influence on my life. He's yeah. written this book called The Grand Weaver, and I yeah. can see now, and I'm sure you can see as you look back on your life, how God has just sort of weaved this beautiful tapestry in your life. And Dick, I wish we could talk more, but we're signing off. I want to thank you so much for being on the show. Dick, I'm going to get you back again. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Jeff. Enjoyed it. Come restore and make us God, we need you to come. It's like having a Fox News app right there in your dashboard. Seaville 1075 and AM 1260. WCHV AM and FM Charlottesville. Take this storm seriously. I'm Pam Puso, Fox News. That from acting FEMA Administrator Pete Gaynor as Hurricane Dorian intensifies to a Category 5 storm. 90% of all weather-related deaths uh, come from water, uh, flooding surge. Uh, 50% of those deaths are people in cars uh, driving through flooded waters. Gaynor on Fox News Sunday as Dorian makes a beeline for the northern Bahamas. Its maximum sustained winds are at 175 miles per hour. This part of the Bahamas has never had a Category 5 on top of them. We're talking about 20-foot storm surge, 30 inches of rain, at least a Category 3 or a major hurricane with battering winds for not just hours but days. The storm is going to slow down. Fox meteorologist Janice Dean, the storm is then expected to brush the coasts of Florida, Georgia, and the Carolinas. Shelters will open this afternoon in Palm Beach County, Florida, as evacuations are ordered. The residents ordered to leave live in mobile homes and flood-prone areas. From a traffic stop to a shooting spree, police in West Texas say a man pulled over by state troopers